Thank you for your love and your care of us. We ask today that you would fill us with patience. Teach us to be patient like Job, that we might be able to endure, to see this life through as we wait for the one that is to come. We ask that you would raise our eyes to the coming of the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So you had to wait for something. That was a very helpful question. Uh, I wasn't entirely sure if Joe was going to share about his waiting, but it turns out that he did. Good on you, Joe. Uh, Waiting is something that doesn't come to us naturally. Patience is not a natural virtue. Any of you who have children would know that well. Impatience seems to be the default state. Now, I I am going through something of a pre-midlife crisis at the moment, and I've decided that I'm going to uh, pursue ethically and uh, an environmentally friendly way of providing meat for my family. Um, that's just a really nice way of putting that I want to shoot a deer and eat it. Now, it, it turns out that the first step in this... Oh no, the bunny, the bunny, we'll start with the bunny, but the, the aim is to get to a deer. It turns out that the first step in that is you have to get a firearms license. And I thought, well, here we go. I, I guess I better begin this journey. Let's go and apply for it. Uh, and so I did. And uh, then the waiting began. Waited for a week. Nothing. Waited for two weeks, still nothing. Three weeks, finally, a letter in the post, yes! Uh, It was a letter that said, we've received your application, thank you very much. Uh, Four weeks. The letter said it should take between four to six weeks. So six weeks in, I was starting to get excited. All right, any day now, to the point where I would go and check the mailbox. You ever done that one? A couple of times a day, to just go, he said, oh, it hasn't come yet. And I may even have gone on a couple of days where the postman had already been, just on the off chance that there was a way that the letter was going to be delivered. It was just, I mean, look, let's be honest, I wasn't suffering because of it. It wasn't a hardship for me to have to wait for this thing, and yet still so impatient. It was all the more frustrating because the police's idea and my idea of what soon means seemed to be quite different. Every day checking the website where you can see, right, what's the status of your application. And every day the same. New application in progress, not authorised for firearms. (sighs) Until Monday. Monday, everything changed. I'll tell you more about that later. See, patience doesn't come to us naturally. No one has to teach us impatience. Oliver, who has decided to sit in and listen to his dad talk about guns and Jesus, well done, that boy. Oliver has decided, well, sorry, he knows what some of his Christmas presents are. I'm not going to say the word, because if I do, diggers, he's just going to go nuts, right? And ever since we bought them, which has been about a month or so ago, he has asked, most days, is it Christmas yet? Because he knows he's not allowed to have them until Christmas. No, he's back to the phone. All right, good. We're okay. Now, of course, these are examples of nice things that we're looking forward to. And we get impatient enough about those. It's even worse, though, if you're going through tough circumstances and what you're looking forward to is for those circumstances to improve. I don't know if you've ever been in a just boring job or perhaps even worse, a job where there's conflict. You're just in a bad situation and you know that there's a better job ahead. You've applied, you've got the job, but you don't start for three months or whatever it is. You ever been there? Those three months are just agony. You're looking forward impatiently for what is to come. You're living, you're slumming it while the new house is being built, whatever it might be. 
Now today, in, in the passage from Advent that we're looking at, it's very simple. It's a call to patience. That's what today's passage is, a call to patience. And patience has these two ideas tied up in it. There's the sort of self-restraint when you're slow to anger, when you're slow to respond in the face of provocation. But it also has the idea of enduring, of seeing pain through, of seeing suffering through. And I want to point out from this passage in James chapter 5, three illustrations, three reasons for patience, and then three applications. So first of all, three illustrations. Be patient like... And James has three pictures for us. The first one is this. Be patient like a farmer. Have a look again. James chapter 5 and verse 7. Good to have your Bible open. If you've closed it, come back to James 5. It's right towards the end of your Bible. James chapter 5 and verse 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. How patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm. It's a a picture that I think in some ways almost doesn't work for us because we'll take rain whenever we get it. Thank you very much. I mean, our situation right now, we're not going to wait for autumn and spring rains. We'll happily take summer and winter ones. But you get the picture of the farmer. my, my, My family is a farming family. My uncle is still a farmer. Both my grandparents were farmers and I don't know how many of my great grandparents were farmers. Admittedly, I don't have a farming bone in my body, but you get the picture. The farmer goes out, he plants the seed, he then waits for the water that the seed needs, he then waits to see what's going to happen. He's got no idea what's happening below the ground. Will that seed germinate? Will it produce a crop? I don't know. I will wait and see what comes. And so like the farmer, James says, be patient. You've got nothing else, you've got to wait. You've got to wait to see. Secondly, he says, be like the prophets. Be like the prophets of old. Come down to verse 10. Be patient like the prophets. Brother, brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. And just stop and reflect on that for a moment. I, I don't know if you've ever come across a modern day prophet. Uh, I, I grew up in South America, and over there, the prophets are a big thing. They're, they're into their prophets. They kind of like them. And uh, when a prophet comes, it, it's almost, I guess, like having a visiting preacher, right? You, you invite the prophet to come and do their thing in your church service. And when they come, man, you should see, you roll out the red carpet for them. Everyone dresses up, right? Prophet so-and-so is coming next week. Everybody's you know, dressed up in their nice gear, and you decorate the church. You put a feast on, and they come, and they're, they're praised and lavished. And It's kind of weird, to be honest, because you go and read the life story of any of the prophets in the Bible, and they had an absolutely miserable time. Their life sucked. I mean, God calls them and he says, go and tell the people who don't want to hear a message that they are going to persecute you for. Yeah. But no, the blessed says they were blessed because of it. Blessed in their perseverance, which kind of by its nature requires you to be going through a tough time. You don't endure, you don't persevere when life's good. It's a little bit different, isn't it, to our, our hashtag blessed. You ever seen that one? Right, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. 
And inevitably, it's about how good my life is. Oh, my kids are so great. Hashtag blessed, right? The new house is finally finished. Hashtag blessed. Got a promotion at work. Hashtag blessed. I'd like to see a bit more of the prophets of the Old Testament kind of blessed. Made it through the hardest year I've ever known. Hashtag blessed. Right now, I feel like I'm in the valley of despair. But God is with me. Hashtag blessed. Now, there's a challenge to us, isn't it? The good life for the prophets wasn't that they had an easy life. It was that they endured, that they persevered, that they had patience. Be patient, like the farmer who waits for the crop, like the prophet who sees through the tough times. Be patient, thirdly, like Job. It's in there in verse 11 again. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. You remember the story of Job? If you're not familiar with it, here's a bloke going about his life. Everything's good. Wife, bunch of kids, whole stack of stuff. And God, under God's hand, Satan comes and takes it all away. In one night, all his kids die. In one raid, all of his possessions are stolen. His own body covered in open wounds and sores, such that people wouldn't even look at him. All that he had left was one grumpy wife and three miserable friends. And his wife says to him, Curse God and die. What a lovely lady, eh? And what did Job do in the face of that? Well, amazingly, astonishingly, miraculously, he continued steadfast. He waited patiently. He trusted God. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think any of us have gone through that level of difficulty. And you may get close. Maybe you've had a rough time. But to be at that low... And he endured. Now, look, we all have our difficulties, right? Maybe we don't have Job's degree of just suckiness in life. But we've all got our own difficulties. And strangely, it seems that our difficulties are always the worst. It doesn't matter whatever it is that you're watching, whatever it is that you're hearing about other people. And you're like, oh, that sounds really tough. But let me tell you about my problems, because my problems are always... And that's okay, right? They're your problems. They're problems you have. Difficulties that you have. James says, whatever it is that you are going through... Be patient. Now, patience, of course, implies that you're waiting for something, doesn't it? That you're looking forward to something better to come. So, James gives us three reasons for patience, right? Three illustrations. Be like the farmer. Be like the prophet. Be like Job. Three reasons for patience. And the first is this. Be patient because the Lord's coming is near. Look again at verse 7. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. Verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Be patient because Jesus is nearly here. He's, He's there. He's right there on that little piece of red carpet we have in the vestibule. He's just a couple of steps away from arriving. He is imminent. 
And just note what it will bring when he comes, like the rain to the farmer that produces the crop. Like Job, we read chapter 42 on purpose. The end of his life was filled with blessing again, as he was given even more than what had been taken from him. The Lord Jesus is nearly here. And oh, how glorious when he arrives. How great that day will be. When he comes and makes everything right again. All the hurts healed. All the wrongs punished. Right, so this is real encouragement. Look, if we're going to be honest, sometimes it can feel like we've been waiting for a while. What's it been? 1,972 years or whatever it's been since Jesus went to heaven? Really? Is, is he really near? Yes. Yes, he is. It won't be long now. It puts me in mind of childbirth, like labour, you know, when babies are being popped out. I've, I've been at three of them now. Uh, it was a horrible ordeal. I wouldn't want to do it again. Uh, and <laughs> I kid, I kid. But you're going through this process and you're encouraging and not long now. Soon, soon it will arrive. Now, you'd be rather foolish if you're a bloke at that point to give your wife a time frame. Because right, you don't know. It might be 23 minutes. It might be another 23 hours. Okay? You, you, you're not sort of talking, well, this is when it's going to happen. But you do encourage them by saying, look forward. Look to what is to come. The baby that's arriving. Be encouraged. The coming is near. Hold on. Or push, as the case may be. But just a little longer. And Jesus will arrive. The judge will arrive. And set it all right. The world put right again. Be patient because the coming of the Lord is near. Secondly, be patient because we know the purpose of the Lord. Verse 11. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Imagine being Job. Just as much as you can, put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Just the absolutely horrible stuff that happened to him. And he had no idea how it was going to turn out. No idea. For all he knew, this was going to be the rest of his life. Penniless, no family left, ill. For all he knew, that was it. And still he waited. How much better do we have it? Because we do know the ending. We do know what it is that God is doing. The ending is very simple. Jesus wins. And we get to share his glory. Isn't that an amazing thing? Come back to James chapter 1. It's just the previous page if you've got a paper Bible. James chapter 1. And look at verse 2 with me. This, this is one of those slightly insane Bible verses that are some of the best. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Right? There's, there's the slightly... Consider it pure joy when you face trials. Why? Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
See, we know the end point. We know that what God is doing right now is transforming us to be like Jesus. He is doing now what is necessary in us that we might be pure and blameless and perfect, not lacking anything. The Job at the end of the book of Job was so much greater than the Job at the start of the book of Job. A man who knew what it was to trust God. See, for us to be the people God wants us to be, we go through trials now. It's like going to the gym, right? Working out, making yourself strong, improving your physique. You hurt yourself in order to get stronger. That's what you do. As you exercise, you damage your muscles such that they regrow better. My, uh, my wife... Uh, you're you copping it today. Anyway, uh, my wife and Joseph are currently in a bit of a competition. Um, no, nobody really knows about this competition, so now you all will know, and we'll see if it puts a bit of pressure on them. Uh, the competition is a very simple one. Oh, there you go. Someone does know. It's a very simple one. It's which of them can do one chin-up first. You, like, you know, a chin-up, you hang from a bar and you pull yourself up, right? That's, it's, it's been going for about seven months now, and neither of them have achieved it yet. Um, I, I think they're both at the stage where they can hang now. And I, I saw Joe the other day, he got it to about there. So you, you better get a wriggle on, love. Um, right, so they've got to work out, they've got to strengthen themselves and, and, and strive to... It hurts, it's hard. Doing chin-ups is not a pleasant thing. We know the purpose of the Lord. We know that the trials we go through are for the sake of what he is making us be. Be patient because the Lord's coming is near. Be patient because we know the purpose of the Lord. Thirdly, be patient because we know the character of the Lord. Again, verse 11, chapter 5 and verse 11. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Be patient because we know who God is. We know the character of the one who is in control. Even if sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Really? I mean, Job in the middle of that suffering, would he really have thought that God is compassionate? That God is merciful? Really? And yet he is. For what he does, he does for our good. I mean, just think about a doctor and the other meaning of the word patient. I mean, just think about the patient for a moment. What is happening between a doctor and a patient? Uh, uh, oh, actually, yeah, let's pick on Edwina again. Uh, right, Edwina has braces. You, you may have noticed, you may not have noticed. Uh, and it's a rather frustrating thing for her. This is the second time in her life that she's had to have it. Right? The, the first time, in the words of the second orthodontist, the first guy was a little bit of a cowboy. But you don't really want to hear about someone having done work on your teeth. She had the choice. She could either go through pain now, and it has been a very painful, unpleasant experience. She could go through pain now or suffer later in life even worse. Your teeth missing and misaligned and have problem with your bite and all that kind of gear. Now, her doctor is not a sadist. 
Her doctor doesn't enjoy causing pain on her. It's not like, yes, I'm an orthodontist, because everyone who comes in is going to screw their teeth down, and they're just going to walk away in a world of pain. <laughs> no. On the contrary, her doctor wants good for her. She needs this treatment. She needs to go through this current pain for the sake of something that is so much greater. A beautiful smile. More importantly, teeth that work. If that's her doctor, how much greater is our doctor? The Lord God Almighty, the one who is truly compassionate and merciful, who looks at us and sees cancer within. The cancer that is sin. The blackness of that which exists in us that is completely the opposite of what he is. And we would complain that he puts us through what is necessary to remove that from us. We know the character of our God. He truly is compassionate and merciful. And so, be patient. Be patient because the Lord's coming is near. Be patient because we know the purpose of God. Be patient because we know the character of God. So let me finish with three applications. Number one is this. Be patient with God. It's very easy when things aren't going your own way to start to get a little bit angry at God. Now, fair enough. If we preach a sovereign God, one who's in control of all things, then when things aren't going the way we want them to, it would make sense, wouldn't it, to say, well, God, this is your fault, to get angry at him. Be patient with him. It's okay to let God know how you feel, by the way. You, you go and read the Psalms. Isn't it? Psalm 13, Psalm 6, Psalm 35. There's any number of Psalms where the psalmist is letting God know how he feels. That's okay. But don't forget who he is and who you are. And don't forget his character. That what he is doing in the end will be seen to be for your good. And particularly, don't get angry at God if what you are going through is a direct outcome of your own actions. Remember, he is the doctor, working out his purposes for good in this broken world. Be patient with God. Secondly, stand firm. Again, look at verse 8. You too be patient and stand firm. Stick to Jesus. Make the decision. Make the decision today. Make the decision now. Commit yourself that whatever comes, you will stick to Jesus. You will stand firm. It puts me in mind of my wedding. There's that moment where you make these very powerful, unique promises. They're promises I've not made to anybody else. Where you're looking at somebody kind of eye to eye and making that degree of commitment. There's almost this sense of physical determination. Come what may, I will keep these promises. Commit yourself to Jesus like that. And can I say that you do it especially if life is currently good. If you're currently not going through tough times, if you're currently not facing these sorts of trials, then now is the time to make that decision. Such that when those times do come, you can look back and say, no, I determined, I committed, I promised, I will stand firm. I will stick to Jesus. Be patient with God. Stand firm. And thirdly, 
don't grumble against each other. Did you notice it in there, verse 9? Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. I mean, man, that's full on. If you've been wronged, deal with it. Go and speak to the person who has wronged you. Do what needs to be done to deal with that wrong. And then, please, forgive and move on. Don't argue and bicker. The judge is at the door and he's there for you too. Don't grumble lest you be judged. But actually the judge is coming. So you don't need to grumble because the wrongs done to you will be righted. Be patient. 16 weeks it took. On Monday, everything changed. That's 113 days. I wasn't counting. 2,712 hours. On Monday, everything changed. I checked the website. Ah, whatever. Why not? I'll have a look. And there it said, referred to Service New South Wales for issue. Oh, how exciting. I wonder if the letter's arrived. It hasn't arrived yet. What a day. Finally, the time of waiting was over. Well, sort of, because the letter still hasn't arrived. But let's ignore that for a moment. The time of glory was here. And like most things, it was a bit anticlimactic. There was no fanfare, no mariachi band at the letterbox. No one cared. No one got excited. My week didn't change. In fact, I suspect like most of us, when the waiting ended, all that happened was I started being impatient for the next thing. But how different to the glory that awaits. How different to that day when the Lord Jesus comes. Because there will be a fanfare on that day. I don't think mariachi bands, but certainly angels with trumpets. There will be everlasting glory. There will be fulfillment such that we will never be impatient for the next thing. For that which we want more than anything else will finally finally have arrived the day when our compassionate and merciful and sovereign God brings all things under Jesus and will take us home to eternity in his presence. So whatever it is that you're going through now, be patient. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the examples you've given us in the prophets, in Job. We thank you for the great, sure and everlasting promise that the Lord Jesus Christ will return, will reign, will bring this world to an end with its wrongs and its hurts, will judge the living and the dead and will bring those who are found safe in Christ into eternity with him. We thank you that it is a hope that we are not ignorant of, and it is a hope that is founded on your word, unmovable, 
And so, Father, Father, make us patient, please. In the midst of whatever is going on, whether life is good and we are distracted by the things of the world, whether life is hard and we feel choked down by the weeds, give us strength to endure, patience to see this life through, knowing that even now in those circumstances, you are working in us to produce Christ-likeness, maturity, fullness. And Father, we ask, please, that Jesus would come back very soon. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen.